Hey, thank you for listening to the Garverar Show. Each episode, we provide quality sports discussions from a diverse group of perspectives. Tune in every week to hear us talking about your favorite topics. Hello everyone, I'm Yori and I'll be your host for the Garverora Show. Today, in addition to Garv, we also have Casey, our Sports Zone Insider. Today we'll cover the Philadelphia 76ers, the World Series, and we have a brand new segment called 30 Second Spotlight. Let's get into it. Let's get started with the 76ers. They just broke a five season opener losing streak, beating the Boston Celtics 107-93. Sixers look good defensively, but they did struggle offensively. Garvin Casey, what are the biggest takeaways of last night's game? Well, my opinion on last night's game is they handled business like they should have. I mean, they're the superior team to Boston now. I know Boston had their number in the past, but, you know, this is a new team. And defensively, this team looks very good, as you said. Offensively, I still am a little concerned. I mean, let's talk about the goods and the positives first. In 35 minutes of action, Ben Simmons went 11 of 16 shooting the field. He had no three-point attempts, but still, all five starters scored double digits. Now, my concern is who's going to take that last shot as we saw shooting wise I mean the Sixers were only 37 of 85 that's 43.5 percent shooting not too well they need somebody Elton Brand you know he's a great general manager ever since he took that GM position but they really do need somebody who can take that last shot especially when the game is close because they're gonna have plenty of those moments and I know very well in the NBA today defense you know it does get you to the championship it does win championships but also you do need that clutch shooter we need to see who that is Elton Brand needs to make another acquisition but as a first game you know good start for the 76ers yeah look I mean it was one game first of all so I'm not going to take a whole lot from last night but it was exciting to see the NBA back with the Sixers back in Philly the energy was there um, like you talked about, the defense is going to be a strength, and we really saw that, as it should be. You add pieces like Al Horford, uh, Josh Richardson, who's a 3 and D, Matisse Thibel's supposed to be the best defender coming out of the draft class. You should be better at defense. I think we should be even possibly the best team in the league at defense. I don't think that's out of the realm of expectations. Um, some other takeaways, yeah, the offense, it's one game, so I'm not going to get too hung up on it. Small sample size. Uh, 7 to 29 from 3, though, just over 24%. That's not great. Obviously, that's not attainable if you're going to go far and shoot 24%. So, But again, one game. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, one big takeaway, and this is outside of the actual gameplay, is Joel Embiid's lost weight. Uh, one of the big things that was talked about last year is his conditioning. Uh, he needs to be able to play a full season. And it seems like they finally committed to that a little bit more. Obviously, again, we haven't seen him much this season. It's one game. But he does look like he's in better shape. So that could play a big factor going forward if he's able to play Maybe not all 82, but 63 and 64 games is not really what you want from your star. Maybe get him into the 70s, and that'll be better for the team. Yeah, I totally agree with that point. I mean, Joel Embiid, 23 minutes only. Of course, it is the first game, and they're probably just easing him into it. He's a big man. Uh, but if he can get higher, and if he can stay healthy and play you know, those higher games and uh, total. It's going to be a great season for the Sixers to have that height advantage, especially. I mean, this team is so tall and offensively, you know, maybe it can play a part into why shooting wise they aren't that great. But 
this team is really constructed. I I was a real proponent about bringing it back and you know bringing back that team we had last year with Jimmy Butler and everything to win the NBA title. And I thought that's how you get out of the East and you have a shot at winning it this year. But this team is better and it's drastically better in my opinion. Uh, All right, hold on, hold on. You just mentioned Jimmy Butler and how important he was for the Sixers as a closer. With him leaving and going to Miami, who do you think is going to fill that spot of the closer for this Sixers team? Let's go to Casey. Yeah, I think that was the big question when Jimmy left. Uh, Obviously, you're losing an all-star caliber player to the Heat. Uh, In my opinion, uh, he was too expensive to keep anyway. But yeah, down the stretch, you saw it throughout that Raptors series. And in Game 7, he tied the game against Kawhi. And then, of course, Kawhi with the five-doink shot. But... Jimmy Butler was our closer at the end of the game when we needed a shot. We had a guy who could create space. The problem with Embiid is Embiid is our best player. There's no doubt. You can't really have a post player take your last shot because it takes too much time to develop. They can crash on him. You need a guy who can have the ball in his hands and create space for his own shot. And that was Butler. And that's what we need to see going forward is who's going to fill that gap. Uh, I mean, Josh Richardson, maybe. I don't think if you ask Heat fans, though, they're very comfortable with Josh Richardson being the guy with the ball in his hands. So it's going to be something we're going to need to see going forward. Uh, I truly don't know yet. I mean, Tobias Harris would be the answer right now, but honestly, I don't feel too confident with Tobias Harris being that guy. I agree. I mean, I don't think Tobias right now, I'm too comfortable with him being that number one. I mean, of course, we saw a small sample size from him last year, and I know you know, statistically through his career, he's been all right uh, as that spot. But at the same time, you want somebody a little better, a little more reliable than him. I will say the one advantage, though, is at least this team is on the court together early on because we saw last year this team got on the court really late in the season. And then, of course, going into the playoffs, we heard, well, we need time for them to mesh and we need to see when they finally get that chemistry together. At least now they're finally on the court where they can all mesh right now and going into the postseason hopefully this year there will be at that level where okay it's just rolling rolling and and rolling so I mean in terms of uh, what the Sixers need to do I think they need to get a shooter but at the same time it's really nice to see early on that every true component of this team is on the court at the same time yeah so closer aside real quick before we move on uh, the real issue, we've been talking a lot about Jimmy Butler leaving closer, and that'll sort itself out as the season goes on, and who knows what pieces they're going to add. Um, but I think the real thing people are overlooking is J.J. Redick leaving, because J.J. Redick wasn't the closer, but Jimmy Butler was really our fourth quarter guy. If you look at those game logs, he would kind of show up late in the game, but before he was kind of mediocre to almost not present. J.J. Redick was the guy, we were running that play, that play any Sixers game, any Sixers fan will recognize that play where Jimmy J.J. Redick rubs off of Joel Embiid on a screen, off ball or on ball, and shoots that fading three. And somehow, someway, J.J. Redick is always on balance, hits the shot. So what are they going to do without him? Garv, you said you think the team's drastically better. I disagree. I think they did the best with what they could. But losing Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick and replacing them with Josh Richardson and Al Horford while nice... I think it's a step down, but we do have a little bit more depth, which is nice to see. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, the depth is the key in terms of what I'm thinking here. Uh, For me, uh, I loved J.J. Redick. I still love him, absolutely. Uh, The one thing with me for J.J. Redick is during playoff time, I mean, the liability on defense, at least, you know, I know he's a great shooter and he makes things happen, you know, on the move, but 
at least we don't have to see that this year because, you know, defensively, this is probably the best unit in the NBA, if not, you know, top two, top three. And, uh, you know, I remember so many times last year where him or just somebody else will be on the court and it's always just a mismatch because on defense, you know, anybody can get past them. So at least we don't have to deal with that this year. But, you know, once again, it's a counterbalance because it's like, at the same time, you don't have that shooter anymore in J.J. Redick, so you need to find that in somebody else. With everything that you guys just mentioned, what can we reasonably expect from the Sixers team? Yeah, so reasonably, I don't think I'm stretching too far here. I reasonably expect them to be a one seed. Top two is really the floor. I mean, it's you or the Bucks. A lot of people are saying the Bucks. personally, I think were better than the Bucks. I think the Bucks took a step down without Brogdon. But I think top two seed, for me, number one, but I really do think we have a chance this season, and I specifically say this season with Kevin Durant out for the Nets, to go to the finals. Maybe not win, but I could see us matching up in the finals, whether it's with the Clippers. But that is reasonable for Sixers fans to expect this year. Yeah, you do have to keep Milwaukee into account, but I think it's absolutely in the realm of possibility, and it should be you know, the ultimate possibility that they finish in the one or two seed and they go to the NBA finals. I mean, if they don't, I just heard Chris Carter say this today on his show on FS1. And if they don't make the Eastern conference finals, the season's a disappointment. And I agree to that, but I also think, I mean, they really should make the NBA finals. I think they have a clear cut path. I mean, on paper, at least this team is really, really good. And if you just judge it based on the Eastern Conference, I mean, this team definitely is a one or a two seed. So there's no reason that Brett Brown and this Sixers team, especially if Alton Brand acquires a shooter, there's no reason why they shouldn't go to the NBA Finals, in my opinion. All right, that concludes our Sixers talk. Let's transition into the World Series. Unexpectedly, the Washington Nationals are up two games to none. I mean, everyone thought that Houston was ending this series in four or five games. And it's only fair that we turn to our baseball insider, Casey. What insights do you have on this year's World Series? Well, firstly, you say unexpectedly, and for the public, yeah, they're unexpected. They were the highest underdog since uh, the Rockies played the Red Sox in 2007. Obviously, the Red Sox swept them. But I really don't think they were that much of an underdog coming in. I thought it was a little unfair, the line they put out. Uh, this team has just as good as starting pitching, uh, maybe a lower tier, but this is the best starting pitching matchups we've had in a long time. I mean, we have six pitchers in the top 20 of qualifying ERA from the regular season, both three from each side, the top three starters. Um, in terms of insight of the first two games, this is obviously best case scenario for the Nationals, worst case for the Astros. Uh, the Nationals come into this you're, as a road team, you're trying to take one of two. Let's go back and get momentum going home. And that's what the Nationals did. But then they upped the ante by taking both. No one expected that coming into this. And the reason is Cole lost. No one expected that. The, the Astros aren't really playing horribly. They're playing the same way they did last series. There's two things I would note. Cole lost, obviously. Cole is, seemed to have a chink in the armor last series when the Yankees were able to make him walk people, which he's not used to, and he wasn't striking out double digits. But... It carried over, and they were able to get to him, and that was a big deal. They need to win their cold starts because Verlander hasn't been the same pitcher. Uh, Verlander in five games is one in three. He's got an above four ERA. Not terrible, but he's also not the Justin Verlander we're used to. The other thing is people are surprised that the Nationals with this subpar offense, or that's what they're classifying them as, are hitting off the Astros when the Yankees couldn't. The difference between the Yankees and Astros, and as a Yankee fan, this is what I was suffering last round, is... The Nationals put the ball in play. The Yankees are looking for the home run. The Yankees in that last game six, 
until the LeMahieu home run were one for six with runners in scoring position. I mean, it was dreadful. They just try and hit the ball out. The Nationals put the ball in play, make high-stress situations for pitchers. That makes it harder. And their lineup was not that bad. Yeah, they're not the Astros, but the Astros were number one in batting average. Nationals are fifth. Astros were number one in OPS. Nationals were sixth. So it's not like we're talking a drastic difference here. So really going forward, is the series over? No, but the Astros are really going to need to step up the offense and get to these starters. Okay, so we need to move on, but we have a brand new segment for you. It's called 30 Second Spotlight, where we each get 30 seconds to give our reactions to news happening around the world of sports. Keeping it with baseball, Phillies just hired Joe Girardi. Guys, is this a good move or a bad move by Philadelphia? Yeah, absolutely love the hiring. I mean, managerial record is 988 to 794. Uh, He beat the Phillies in the World Series in 2009 with the Yankees. He's seen the Phillies, you know, in the good years, and he knows a lot about this clubhouse. Uh, The one thing is, uh, as a player's coach, I do hope he also holds those players accountable more than Gabe did because especially, you know, Gabe, we saw a lot of times where he overprotected the players, and I hope that doesn't happen here because there's accountability that needs to be had in this organization yeah so my thoughts as good hire and uh brief side note as a yankee fan joe i miss you i didn't want you to go but joe Girardi's a player's coach like you said he's known for being a player's coach so he's probably going to rally this clubhouse around him i think it's a good hire i mean he's a great manager however at the same time i'm also the guy that doesn't put that much stock into a new manager a new coach they still need to play better and get some acquisitions like pitching so we'll see what happens. Joe Girardi is not going to be the end-all, be-all of all of a sudden they're a World Series team, but I do think it's a good hire. So you're a Yankees and a Sixers fan. That's interesting. And a Cam Newton fan, not a Panthers fan, to make that clear. A Cam Newton fan, right? Yes, that's correct. We can get into that another day. But my <laughs> fandom is, as one would say, all over the place. Well, it's good that you guys just mentioned Cam Newton because that leads right into my question. We all know that he's been hurt for the past four weeks, and during those four weeks... His backup, Kyle Allen, has gone 4-0. and And the biggest concern for Cam Newton is, can he get back that starting spot? And what are Carolina's next steps and Cam Newton's next steps? Let me rant here because it should be Cam Newton's spot, okay? I'm not against Kyle Allen. Yeah, he's played fine. He's also played no one. But aesthetically, as a fan, how can you say you want Kyle Allen to be the quarterback of a team over Cam Newton? You're talking about a game manager Brock Osweiler type versus a playmaking Cam Newton who draws fans. And let's be real, the real reason people hate Cam Newton is because what he wears and how he dances, not because of how he plays. We know he's a good quarterback. Well, the difference between Kyle Allen and Cam Newton is Kyle Allen is actually winning. I mean, you talk about Kyle Allen with the success he's had with the Panthers. If you're a fan, of course you want the quarterback who's winning, right? Uh, And then, you know, if you're the Panthers, of course you want the quarterback who's winning, right? I mean, this is just simple math here. Kyle Allen, 4-0. If he beats San Francisco, that gives him more more of an incentive to keep him. They should trade Cam Newton to Chicago or some other team. (laughs) And by the way, I know you want to respond to that. You don't get to because we're out of time there. All right, next question. Tom Brady has put his house up for sale, and so has his trainer. Now, Brady can choose to void his contract at the end of this season. Now, does that mean that Brady will be open to move next season, or are we just looking too much into it? I would say right now we should look 
not too much into it, but can you imagine if Tom Brady actually wants out at the end of this season and he wants to put that middle finger to everybody who says that Belichick has made him the best quarterback, you know, in franchise history, in the league's history? This would be the biggest middle finger to Belichick. I'm all for it if he wants to go, but I guarantee you if he does do that, he stays in the AFC because there's too much competition in the NFC and we all know Tom Brady and how he is. Well, I mean, I just want to say, can we just take a moment and thank the NBA for this? Because five, ten years ago, someone selling their house is far from news. But now in the soap opera drama era of free agency and requesting trades, we can look so far into every aspect of someone's life. And as a fan, how can you not love this? Well, Patriots fans don't love it. I'll tell you that much. I mean, that's true. Just ask them. <laughs> okay, moving on. Patrick Beverly was just fine, $25,000 for throwing a ball into the stands after the Clippers beat the Lakers. Is this a legit fine or, I mean, what's your reaction? Well, so for clarification purposes, he didn't wind up and launch this at a fan. He threw it up at the end of the game in celebration and someone happened to catch it in the stands. Uh, I understand the fine. Look, you can't have your fans in danger in case they weren't looking. But, I mean, come on. Are we really going to dive that deep into this? I agree. It's a liability for the NBA. But at the same time, what are they? The NFL? The no fun league? I mean, ah. this is this is ludicrous. I mean, come on now. We don't have to dive into this. But at the same time, Patrick Beverly, good for you. He tweeted out that he's going to stay the same. You stay the same, man. Okay, let me hear your reaction to this. This morning, Conor McGregor announced his return to the Octagon. He plans on fighting in Las Vegas on January 18th. Now, the opponent is unknown, but he said he wants to fight three times in 2020. Which rematch would you like to see more? McGregor versus Khabib in Moscow, Russia. We know what happened last time. Or McGregor versus Nate Diaz. That would complete the trilogy fight between them. Well, it's great to see Conor McGregor back in the UFC. I mean, he's the most talked about person in the UFC. Anything Conor McGregor related is bound to get clicks, is bound to get attention. I would really love to see the completion of the trilogy against Nate Diaz. I mean, as we know, Nate Diaz won the first time, McGregor won the second time. I would really like to see who wins that third fight. I think we owe it to the fans, and they owe it to the fans, of course. So I would love to see that. So first and foremost, as a Conor McGregor fan, as an Irish dissenting American, I'm so happy to see Conor McGregor back. Uh, From a pure UFC good fight standpoint, I'd want to see Nate Diaz versus McGregor a third time. That's been great for two. But as a genuine fan of trash talk, I need to see Khabib McGregor so McGregor can just roast Khabib for jumping into the stands. I'm sure he'll come up with something hilarious for that. But as a fan of trash talk, I need to see Khabib McGregor. I need to see an Indian UFC fighter. That's who I'll be really on board with. I mean, what about a blind UFC fighter? I mean, just saying. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know, Casey's actually legally blind. I bet you didn't see that coming. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for listening to the Garverar show that was it for today thank you for casey to coming on next week tune in as we have charles dupre's on from the toronto raptors and then also we're diving into the week eight post game and much more thanks for listening join us next week and take care everybody